Beloved, we open our Bibles to the letter to the Ephesians, chapter 4. Verse 32 will be our text for this morning's sermon, for a topical sermon on kindness, a call to be kind. We are going to look at a few of the verses ahead of it during the sermon, and we'll go back a couple chapters as well to look at a verse, so you might keep it marked. We will look at its context a bit. Uh, I'll also let you know, just for your convenience, uh, later in the sermon, we'll look at one example of kindness. I'll be sharing many examples with you, but one I'd like to turn and read about with you. Uh, so just for your reference, I'll let you know the reference again. But Second Samuel chapter 9, verses 3 to 11. Second Ch- Samuel uh, chapter 9, verses 3 to 11. So we'll also turn there together. But again, our theme verse is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Hear now the word of the Lord. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. I'd like to read that again, since it is brief, and then highlight the main section we're focusing on this morning. Although I'll give you a sense of the meaning of this verse in, in the whole. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. And the first part of the verse is what we're emphasizing today. And be ye kind one to another. We will, we will consider the context one to another, but particularly what I want to highlight today is be ye kind. Or as the sermon message for you, as you see in the bulletin, and I'll remind you at the end, the sermon message for you is simply this, two words, be kind, be kind. My wife and I were really impressed when we were at the commencement ceremony for Mrs. Maxwell that many of you also were at celebrating with her and Mr. Maxwell, I guess almost a month ago now, which is hard to believe, more than a month, I guess. And uh, certainly we're impressed with Mrs. Maxwell and congratulate you on that milestone. But something really stood out to us about the messages. Now, this is a secular university. Uh, Don't know the background of the speakers, but there was a common thread in uh, at least two, if not more, of the messages. Something I was surprised, I don't think I've ever heard in a commencement message today, especially emphasized. It was a call on the students who were graduating, going out into the world, working in the different ways with what they had learned to study. It was a call to be kind. To be kind. And there were some touching things that were said, some touching illustrations of some of the students, but I thought, wow, what a tremendous thing. There's so many things we hear people say in commencement ceremonies to graduates, and it isn't saying don't be kind, but the emphasis is usually on success. Yes, changing the world, impacting the world, but I don't think I've ever heard someone say impact the world with kindness. And you see, if that is the way you're going about living in the world, it's going to be a very different way you go about success, a very different way about about the way you'll go about your work and being a citizen and uh, the way you're going to be living and interacting with people. Often it's going to be sacrificial. It's always going to be thinking less about yourself and more on others. And it was tremendous to hear in more than one address at this commencement ceremony, not in a Christian context, be kind. It occurred to me, why are they emphasizing that? It would seem to me there's a recognition of a lack of kindness in the world. A lack of kindness in the dog-eat-dog workplace where it's about climbing the ladder, often on the parts of the ladder that are the backs of others. It's always about exalting ourselves and looking for attention for the promotion of the race, not about setting up the others. Kindness. Be kind. The message for you this morning, Paul says it in our text, be ye kind. Be ye kind. It's a command of God, and it is a reflection of God, and it's tremendously uh, needed in this day. I've thought about there's that phrase, and there's even websites and organizations called random acts of kindness. That's a nice idea. Leave something behind, put a couple extra quarters in the vending machine. Those things are nice, but particularly focusing on a person, 
recognizing a person in a need and going and seeking to do something for them directly. Stopping along the way. Kindness is the golden chain by which society is bound together. That's goth. A kind heart is a fountain of gladness, making everything in its vicinity freshen into smiles. Washington Irving. It is nice to think it's this fountain. And what does it do? It refreshes others. It causes people to smile. Isn't that what happens when someone's kind to you? Thanks. That's what we want to be. Kindness is a language the dumb can speak and the deaf can hear and understand. Bovi. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. I'm not familiar with the person, but a, another quote. It's a language anyone can understand, kindness, right? Isn't that the beautiful thing? Kindness is a language you can speak wherever you go. You don't have to study and get all the books. Well, I guess we do want to train and study. But you can go across the border, for instance. There's an opportunity to be kind immediately, isn't there? Whatever we might question about legitimacy of need here in certain places on the sidewalk, there's no mistaking a real need there. It occurs to me next time I cross the border to come better prepared to bless those people with kind things. That whatever my busyness that has me there can tend to have me walk by. Like all practiced virtues, kindness is first seen and it is best seen in being kind to our fellow Christians because of the kindness of God to us in Christ. Being kind to the brethren is to be a natural expression of having received the kindness of God our Father through Christ our brother. I give that to you as the main idea of the verse in its context. Being kind to the brethren is to be a natural expression of having received the kindness of God the Father in Christ our brother. Kindness should be something we're known for, beloved. Kindness is something people should witness in how we behave and and relate with one another. The Greek word here in our text for kindness is krestos. And I highlight it because I want to give a sense of what is it to be kind? What, what is the, what's the word here Paul is using? We're studying kindness today, being kind. Let's, let's massage it a little bit. I break out the lexicons and share with you uh, a few other words that are kind of synonyms for this particular Greek word. I'm, gonna, I'm going to look at other words in the Greek and Hebrew where we sometimes translate it kindness. But this one today, and most of the New Testament verses I'll be quoting for you later, have krestos, this Greek word krestos. It means to be useful. It means to be serviceable. It means to be effective. You know, almost can tend to think of the word nice. I think be nice, but, but it's more than that. It's, it's investing in someone. It's pausing to do or say or give something to someone else to help them, to be useful to them, to be a servant to them, to make a difference in their life. It means to extend yourself and to expose yourself to do something that benefits another person. Thus, it sometimes will be seen in saying to a brother or sister's face what most will only say behind their back. Fernanda was just sharing with me something she really liked on, um, I'm not sure if it was Instagram or she saw um, a grandfather, I think. uh, Someone was speaking to him about things they didn't like about a certain person. I don't know if it was the way they kept themselves. I forget the details, but the grandfather said, uh, did you talk to that person about it? No, I don't want to talk to them about it. Well, if you're not going to talk to them about it to help them improve, do not be talking about it with me. And that's, of course, gossip with the scriptures forbids, but it also says how much we love to eat it up in the Proverbs. 
if there is something that someone you know needs attention to, to help, and it may not necessarily be a comfortable thing for them to hear you to say, but because you're kind, you'll bring it to their attention when everyone else will never bother to, but they'll talk about it behind their back. Psalm 141 verse 5 says, Let the righteous smite me, it shall be a kindness. Uh, Kindness is to benefit someone in helping them be better. It's caring enough about them even to offer the faithful wounds of a friend rather than the deceitful kisses of an enemy. Proverbs 27 verse 6. I give that to you as a little bit of a disclaimer, because sometimes we might think to be kind is to never do or say something that could hurt. We remember that rebuke is love. Jesus says, I rebuke them whom I love. So there's a, there's a kindness in bringing the truth to people. But that's not the main focus, but it's not outside the, the, the view of it. It's important that we uh, do these things and say these things. Uh, but we want to think about uh, where it comes from. Uh, look at verse uh, chapter 2 of our, of our text, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us. Through Christ Jesus. God shows the exceeding riches of his grace through the kindness of himself uh, through Christ. And so to, to show us grace is to also show us our sins. Um, I've been hearing in a number of contexts recently uh, asking for pardon is inherently recognizing fault. And so as we would have grace. We're also showing our faults to know the need for it and ask for it to know we can, we can have it. The kindness of giving grace instead of punishment. But that word for um, kindness in Ephesians 2 verse 7, it's the same word. It's a little bit of a different construction and the lexicon gives it a sense of meaning goodness and honesty. So to be kind is to be honest. Still, it is meant to be the antidote to speaking cruelly and carelessly in a way that deconstructs a person rather than builds them up. So look back to chapter 4 with me. We want to see a few verses leading into our text to be kind. And I think we primarily understand this idea of being kind with what we say. It's more than that, and we'll see that. It's a lot more than that. But in the text, it seems to be at least focused on the idea of what we say by virtue of what we're not to say coming before it. Uh, Ephesians 4, verses 29 uh, to 31. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. And uh, if I can say that, should, of course, include your pen and your keyboard and your phone that you might type with. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Before I continue, I almost brought this verse in. I decided to leave it out, but I'm going to bring it in here now. Paul says in Romans 12, 21, don't be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. So our communications, even if we're having bad things said to us or bad actions, our response should be to bring grace to the hearers, not reflect the bad things being said or done. God help us. (laughs) Of course, there's the other scriptures at Colossians 4, 6, I think. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how ye ought to answer every man. Back to our section here, Ephesians 4, verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Ah, notice the way we might speak, the way we might be unkind would grieve not only the person we're unkind to, but the Holy Spirit within us who is saying, be kind. Verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. 
And that leads into our verse. The first thing said in verse 32, and be ye kind. You see the contrast coming ahead, particularly emphasized on speaking. I'm going to bring another thing into the sermon that I left in the woodshed, but I'll bring it back. You've heard it many times. But my poetry professor in a secular college was so concerned about what she was seeing around the table. And it always stuck with me. She said, do you know what the root words in the Greek of sarcasm are? To cut the flesh. Very good. Good memory. To cut the flesh. Sarcasm is used in the scripture, but it is usually to cut the flesh of someone who needs to repent. It never builds up. It always cuts down. And and that's something I've had to beat out of myself over the years. Uh, I think for sake of other reasons, primarily too much late night talk show television. But sarcasm just will always have a person be building up like this. We're to be helping a person open up and come forward. How are we speaking? Let it be catching ourselves to fill it with kindness. And then that would also show in in, in how we act. And if you don't mind me sharing another thing I was going to leave in the woodshed, but I feel convicted to share it. A kind touch. I won't preach about holy kisses in this sermon, in the scripture. You know how I feel about that. Uh, I won't preach about a number of things, but uh, I remember being incredibly touched hearing a sermon years ago when I was in high school when the pastor talked about the power of physical touch. And I remember when I was, I think I've shared this with some of you, uh, years ago when I was alone out of college trying so hard to get the jobs I really wanted and, you know, struggling and, and I kept trying to get a job with the Seneca Park Zoo, the zoo in Rochester, New York, where I'm from. And I think I interviewed two or three different times. And they helped me prepare and get the job in Pittsburgh for the Pittsburgh Zoo Aquarium years ago. It just wasn't the right position for me, but I was trying to get in any way I could, relatively related to my field. And I remember with the job I had at the time, being at an event late at night uh, at the zoo, and we were in the inside of the polar bear exhibit, and Somehow they had the keepers outside, get the bear to jump in the water, and you're seeing him swim right in front of you, you know. And they're having food and, you know, schmoozing, I guess you could say. And the executive director, who's the one always being so kind, and they even, he and the PR guy, whose job I would have loved to have, um, I ended up getting it in Pittsburgh. Uh, They took me out to breakfast. They took me out to breakfast to help me prepare for that interview in Pittsburgh. And, and before that ever happened, back to the event I'm mentioning, I remember the executive director just putting his hand on my shoulder. It was a natural gesture. It was fatherly. I can't tell you how it melted me and encouraged me. You know, it can just be a kind touch of recognition in a world where we just pass by each other while we're staring at our phones, pretending to be friends with people who don't even know us and have never met us. Our words, like our actions and looks, should not tear down but build up others in deliberate and meaningful ways. And to go out of our way in doing so to serve, that idea of being serviceable is kindness. We want to serve others, help them, build them up in our words, in our looks, in our touch, in our actions. Revelation, excuse me, Romans 2, verse 4. Would you turn there with me briefly? Romans 2, verse 4. Oops, excuse me. The use of this word for kindness, the krestos, again, I think is significant to take a look at. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, and knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? That word for goodness, that word goodness, the goodness of God leads to repentance? That's the same Greek word we have for kindness in our text. So you see, we want to be kind because we want to be leading people to the Redeemer. We want to be drawing people to the kindness of God. They need to know about his wrath. They need to know about his judgment. But they need to know about the opportunity of free grace 
and they have the kind touch of God upon their body and soul. And so they need to be touched by us as the hands of Christ and the voice of Christ with kindness, even as we would share the gospel, even as we would warn of God's wrath and hell and what they deserve. That it would be a cry out of tender kindness, concern for their salvation. That we go out of our way in doing this. That we would seek to lead others to the Redeemer by our own kindness. Now, it's interesting, the word for kind and the word for kindness in the Old Testament. I, this is not a completely thorough study, but I was using my computer tools that the church uh, graciously uh, affords me for the work. And uh, it was fairly thorough looking at a lot of the verses in the Bible that speak of kindness or being kind, that is, as it's translated in the King James. And I was struck by the Hebrew word for kindness almost every time. All but, I think, one time I noticed the word is chesed. Remember that powerful word, chesed? 26 times the end of every verse in Psalm 136. His mercy endureth forever. The word often translated mercy, chesed, is the word for kindness as it is translated in our King James Bibles, almost always in the Old Testament. That's profound. That would be worthy of a lot of thought right there. Mercy, faithful covenant loyalty, as we studied it in Psalm 136, it has the idea of faithful covenant loyalty to a group of people who don't deserve it. And would perish without it. Thus in 2 Samuel 10 verse 2. In the ESV translation. It translates the words uh, show kindness. It translates it deal loyally. Deal loyally. As we think about and massage these things. It just helps us get a feel for what is it to be called to be kind. It has that sense of. A mutual obligation, right? Uh, we're not in this alone. We don't, it isn't about us. Uh, I should say it's not about me. It's about us, right? Especially for Christians sealed in the everlasting covenant blood of Christ, we are to be committed to bless our brethren. And that's the focus of the text be kind to one another. That one another phrase, you remember I've highlighted before as a, a, an important phrase you could study throughout the New Testament. The one another phrases. Be kind to one another. There's a particular sense of our covenant connectedness in Christ. And therefore how we should be especially kind to our brethren in Christ. One other time in the Old Testament, uh, the Hebrew word for kindness is good. It's, it's, it's not chesed. It's another word, tov, for good. Just good, or it could be the idea of pleasant. In the New Testament, uh, there's a couple other times we have it translated kindness in the King James. And I, I just share what's interesting about the Greek words behind them to get a sense of the of the, maybe the perimeters or, this, or the breadth and the feel of what this word to be kind can mean. In 2 Peter 1 verse 7, the word kindness in the Greek is uh, Philadelphia. What do, we, what do we know of the city of Philadelphia in our country? The city of brotherly love. And that's what it means, brotherly love. So you'll see it, brotherly kindness there twice in 1 Peter 1 7. So there's this filial affection. You know, that's the way we're supposed to be with one another as Christians. We're supposed to be family. We're supposed to be particularly tender and helpful and servable, serviceable and sacrificial as family. Uh, then in Acts chapter 28, verse 2, speaking of the way the heathen treated Paul and his people with him, uh, and we'll look at this again later, but the Greek word there, it says that they uh, had philanthropia. You hear a word there, philanthropia? It's where we get the word philanthropy, right? It has a sense of phylos, brotherly love too, rather than uh, um, other kinds of love, but uh, charity, 
right? Philanthropy is charity, giving to the support, uh, excuse me, giving to support the needs of others. Often financial support that is to be lived out in programs that meet real needs. You can think about the diaconate of the church as the main arm or face of uh, this idea of philanthropy that goes, that is primarily first for Acts chapter 6 for the people of God in the church, but certainly has an extension outside of it. With that being said, we need to recognize that our kindness, our call to be kind as Christians is based on the kindness of God to us in Christ. And that's in the text, Ephesians 4.32, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. So there's other things and an emphasis on forgiveness, but it's connected to and related to kind to one another as God has been kind to you. And so we want to remember we're called to reflect God. We're called to be like God. He calls us to be holy as he is holy, to be like him in his communicable attributes. And kindness is one of them. That is, God is kind and is kind to us, shows kindness to his people in particular. And that is the source of how we would be kind and the motivation for it and the example to follow. Jonah 4 verse 2. Jonah confesses why he didn't want to go to Nineveh. I didn't want to go to Nineveh. I didn't want to preach repentance to the Ninevites, this uncircumcised, terribly sinful people. I didn't want to go preach repentance to them because I knew that you are a God, quote, of great kindness, among other things. Meaning, if they repent, you're going to have mercy on them. I don't want you to be nice to them. (laughs) I know you're so kind. Well, it sounds like Jonah needed to get a lesson in being kind himself, and he did. This is the same reason given for Israel, the church, God's people themselves, to repent. Joel 2, verse 13, we're to repent because God is kind. Remember, it's the kindness or goodness of God in Romans. It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance, including telling us our sins and that there's an opportunity to be forgiven. It is greatly kind to send a warning to avoid bringing consequences upon ourselves. The gospel is kind. It talks about the bad news to have the good news. Though God's people rebelled and they so often wouldn't repent, yet Nehemiah is rejoicing in the Lord and calling upon him as God is restoring things, saying, though they're so rebellious and so often wouldn't repent, but thou art a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. As in our verse today, again, being kind is to be like God, which is to be forgiving. To be kind is to be forgiving. If you're not quick to forgive, it would be right for others to say you are not a kind person. Because what kind of person is kind? A forgiving person. As God in Christ forgave us in his kindness. So Isaiah 54 verses 8 to 10, especially verses 8 and 10, if you, if you do take notes, this is one I would highlight to you. Isaiah 54 verses 8 to 10, God says, In a little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment, speaking to his rebellious church. In a little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee. Seth the Lord, the Redeemer, For this is as the waters of Noah unto me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be wroth with thee, nor rebuke thee. For the mountains shall depart, and the hills be removed. But my kindness shall not depart from thee. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, Seth, the Lord that hath mercy on thee. You might argue that kindness, like anything, is really first a disposition. He says, because of my kindness towards you, I have mercy on you. That is, I don't give you what you deserve, and instead I'm going to give you what you don't. 
but it's an everlasting kindness and a kindness that can never take, be taken away from you. 1 Kings 3, verse 6. And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he hath walked before thee in truth, and in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with thee, and thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. So kindness is bestowing favor, bestowing privilege and honor on others, elevating their situation, elevating their status by sharing of your own opportunity. In the New Testament, Titus Titus 3, verse 4. But after that, and he's referring to our being naturally evil and against God and in a horrible life. After that, it says, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared. It was God's kindness to send Jesus Christ. God treated we who were enemies of him with the kindness to change us into his people through Jesus Christ. Psalm 31, verse 21. Blessed be the Lord, for he hath showed me his marvelous kindness. Psalm 117, verse 2. Our call to worship and how we close worship this morning. Give praise to the Lord. Why? Among other things, for his merciful kindness is great toward us. In Ruth chapter 2, verse 20, Naomi praises God's kindness for remembering her and Ruth and providing Boaz for Ruth and thus her as the kinsman redeemer and thus ultimately Christ for us. So those are examples of the fact that God himself is kindness and is kind to we, his people. Therefore, we are to be kind. But I want to share with you some other scriptural examples of what it is to be kind human to human that I hope will help. And I I am belaboring the point with a whole bunch of illustrations. But as I looked at them and studied them, I I think they'll benefit us. I haven't given you everything, but I do... uh, Hope to be kind in blessing you with these things, and thank you for your kindness in, in listening. Examples of being kind in Scripture. I'm going to have you turn with me to one of them. The rest I'll share with you. Boaz was so kind to Ruth to take care of her and her mother-in-law's needs. Remember, he told the men, don't touch her. And he said, make sure she gets to get all that food harvested along the sides. Remember, we talked about that today. Uh, God's laws of making sure you allowed the poor to glean off the corners. Make sure she has a lot to bring back to her mother-in-law. But then he says he wants to marry her. And he is thankful that she wants to marry him. And she, he says, you're so kind to want to marry me. I've said that to Fernando a lot. I'm old. <laughs> I don't look like I used to look. I I don't understand why you married me, but thank you for being kind to marry this old guy with no hair and crooked yellow teeth and a big belly and creaky knees. You're younger. And that's what Boaz essentially says to Ruth, although much more eloquently. He says to Ruth in chapter 3, verse 10, and he said, Blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast showed me more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, inasmuch thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. He says, you're younger. You could have had a young guy. And you chose me. Thank you for that kindness to look past others and choose this old guy to be your husband. Abimelech's covenant with Abraham. Genesis 21, 23, he says, Now therefore swear unto me here by God that thou will not deal falsely with me, nor with my son, nor with my son's son, quote, but according to the kindness that I have done unto thee, thou shalt do unto me, 
and to the land wherein thou hast sojourned. You see, kindness remembers and reciprocates kindness. You're going to see that a lot in these verses. There's a sense of recalling how kind some was to you in your need. And now that you're in a position to return the kindness, you go out of your way to do it. It makes things right when wrong was done, so no harm is done. Genesis 24, verses 12 and 14. Abraham's servant asks God for his kindness to show him if this will be the wife for Isaac. Please, twice refers to God's kindness. He appeals to God's kindness. Show me at the well whether there is a woman here who is the one. And God does. And how does he recognize the woman who is to be Isaac's wife? She's kind. Can I take care of your camels for you? Would you like to come home and meet the family and eat? We'll take care of you. Now, that relates to a proverb we'll get to in a moment. Genesis 40, verse 14. Joseph asks his fellow prisoner who's getting out of prison, please remember me and help me get out of here. And for two years, he wasn't very kind because he completely forgot him. But he appeals to kindness. I'm not so sure he remembered him in kindness so much as for his own sake. He remembers, oh yeah, this Joseph, he might be able to interpret your dreams. But Joseph appeals. He says, please be kind to me and remember me here. Don't forget me. You've been here. You know what it's like. If now in your opportunity, would you please show kindness to me? Try to get me out of here. Remembering all I've done and all you've observed. He appeals to kindness. You see, kindness, again, doesn't forget those who helped you and uses your influence to benefit them later in return. I think we could say, as we consider Paul's command to be kind, that it's a pretty unkind world. You don't see a lot of that. Uh, Rahab says to Joshua's spies, In Joshua 2, excuse me, Joshua 2, verses 12 to 13, she says, Now therefore, I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that ye will also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token, and that ye will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. She says, I saved you from death. When they're coming looking for you, please, when you destroy Jericho, please remember me and my family, which is kind to say, not just me, but my family. Please remember me and save us from the destruction. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 6. And Saul said unto the Kenites, Go, depart, get you down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them, for ye showed kindness. To all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt, so the Kenites departed from the Amalekites. Your kindness is sparing lives again for being having your life spared. The Kenites are spared because how they didn't take care take advantage of the Israelites. And so they're spared. While if they stay, they're going to be in the realm of destruction, but they're offered the opportunity to be spared. That was a kindness because of their kindness. 1 Samuel chapter 20, verses 14 and 15. David calls upon Jonathan never to cut off his kindness from him or his people while he lives or later after he dies because they were faithful, loyal friends. You see, kindness is generational covenant faithfulness. And I would like to take you to a scripture with David as a particularly good example of kindness. Would you turn with me, please, to 2 Samuel in the Old Testament, chapter 9. 2 Samuel, chapter 9. course we have some bad examples even in this book from David not long to follow but uh, we have some good ones too and I want to read with you 2nd Samuel chapter 9 verses 3 through 11 hear now the word of the Lord 2nd Samuel chapter 9 beginning with verse 3 and the king that is David said 
Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel in Lodabar. Then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? Then the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertained to Saul and to all his house. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shall till the land of him, and thou shalt bring in the fruits that the master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. Now Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Then said Ziba unto the king, According to all that my lord the king hath commanded his servant, so shall thy servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Mekah. And all that dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants unto Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both his feet. And you know why he was lame on both his feet? Because he was dropped as a child. Uh, he's lame on his feet, he can't walk, or at least he has some kind of uh, uh, handicap. And so he is limited in his own ability to men take for care of himself. And so David wants to take care of him. But he didn't even know that at the time. He didn't know of him. Here's the kindness. Is anyone left of Saul's family line? You know, there has been the war that killed Saul and killed Jonathan and many of their family. And David wants to know, for Jonathan's sake. Remember we saw earlier, David says, for my sake, remember my family after I die. Be kind to me. But actually now Saul's de- uh, Jonathan's dead. And David, in fact, is actually doing what he requested. He's showing kindness unto the family of Jonathan. But think about what a big deal this is. You're going to sit at my table, the king's table. You're going to eat at my table. I'm going to take care of your family all the time. To show kindness to Jonathan's memory. And look how the guy responds. I'm a dog. I can't believe you're treating me like this. Notice he speaks his name first. That's powerful, isn't it? Mephibosheth. He acknowledges him as a human being and a person. And then he says, you're going to eat at my table. I'm going to take care of you. And he is lame. But think about why this is also tremendous. He is ultimately of Saul. There could be that danger. I think you see a little of this later, of him wanting the kingdom back as a son of Saul, ultimately. But David takes that risk to show kindness to Jonathan. We could say kindness is certainly about taking risks. Sometimes when you're kind to somebody, they don't appreciate it, or for whatever reason, they bite the hand that feeds them. But kindness is about taking risks. 2 Samuel chapter 2, verses 5 to 6. David sent messages, messengers unto the men of Jabesh-Gilead and said unto them, Blessed be ye of the Lord, that ye have showed this kindness unto your Lord, even unto Saul, and have buried him. And now the Lord show kindness and truth unto you, and I also will requite you this kindness, because you have done this thing. Now, he says, you buried Saul. You were kind to do that. Consider what Saul's body would have looked like at at that point, what happened to him by the Philistines. You buried Saul. He says, you were kind to do that, so I'm going to be kind to you. I'm going to return that kindness for you being so kind. Now, how kind is this is David also? Because Saul tried to kill him twice. 
I mean, more than twice. If you think about the javelins and then in the cave, right? And yet he's showing kindness. Thank you for being concerned to show honor to Paul's, Saul's excuse me, uh, dead body. Here's another lesson. Kindness mourns with those who mourn, and it honors the dead. It doesn't make light of someone's loss. It cries with them, and it acknowledges the loss. And it sends its sympathy. Thank you for honoring the dead. Second Samuel chapter 10, verse 2 2 Samuel 10, 2. Then said David, I will show kindness unto Hanun, the son of Nahash, as his father showed kindness unto me. And David sent to comfort him by the hand of his servants for his father. And David's servants came into the land of the children of Ammon. You see this also referenced in 1 Chronicles 19, verse 2. The father of Hanan. Uh, has shown kindness to David, and so he wants to return the favor and show kindness. And in this case, I, I, he sent servants to say, I'm sorry for the loss of your father. I, I'm sorry for you that your father's died. I send comfort to you. It's almost like we would send a sympathy card in a sense. You see, kindness sends sympathy. I will say in my past bereavements, deep loss I was surprised how few of those I would have expected never even acknowledged the loss. To this day, when we still communicate, it's as if, it's as if it never happened, let alone express sorrow for it. But a few do, and those are the ones you feel great kindness from. And I try to always make sure not to be that guy, and I try to always make sure to show kindness to those who have gone through similar things when I hear of it. And by the way, they always respond with a thank you. Kindness sends sympathy. That is, it sends emotional comfort. Not just physical, but emotional comfort. Sadly, this kindness was foolishly not received in this case, which brought harshness afterwards. 1 Kings 2, verse 7. But show kindness unto the sons of Barzillai the Gileadite, and let them be of those that eat at thy table. For so they came to me when I fled because of Absalom thy brother. Again, kindness is of a reciprocal honoring. Esther chapter 2, verse 9, Haggai, the caretaker of the king's harem, gave kindness to Esther by going out of his way to give her special attention and care. It says she had kindness or she had favor. She had special attention, recognition, and provisions. That's how Haggai showed kindness to her. Proverbs 31 woman we hear a lot about. The Proverbs 31 woman. She works hard to take care of the needs of her children, of her husband, of her community. And it says in verse 26 of Proverbs 31 that that woman openeth her mouth with wisdom and in her tongue is the law of kindness. Makes me think of a quote that I did not bring into the sermon, but was in what I sent you in the, in the e-devotion. Shakespeare says, I'm more interested in a woman of kindness than beauty. She'll win my heart. Acts 28, verse 2. And the barbarous people, so this is not Christians, the barbarous people showed us no little kindness. For they kindled a fire and received everyone because of the present rain and because of the cold. So kindness provides physical comfort also, where it can. Not only emotional, but physical comfort. It's concern for the needs of others. Notice how often the examples we have here in the Old Testament of kindness were of David. David is the primary figure we see receiving and reciprocating kindness, and consider that he is spoken of in Acts 13, verse 22, as a man after God's own heart. And God is kindness and shows kindness. And he was a man with resources, as a king who remembers the kindness done to him and seeks to give it back when he's in a place to do so. 
Kindness is considerate. Kindness is thoughtful. We often say, thank you for thinking of me. Thank you for thinking to send me that note. Thank you for making a point to call me. Thank you for stopping by. Thank you for that gift. Thank you. That was kind of you. Kindness is always applying the golden rule. Jesus says, what would you have done to you? Do it to others. Not just don't do what you don't want done. Do what you would have done to others. Would you like people to be kind to you? To show kindness to you? The golden rule is go be kind to one another, as explicitly said in our text this morning. Kindness shows how you care for others by caring for them in simple ways. Kindness is courteous. Kindness comforts. Beloved, let us pray for God's kindness to us. Psalm 119, verse 76. Let, I pray thee, thy merciful kindness be for my comfort, according to thy word unto thy servant. Praying for God's comforting kindness to us. Then let us live out God's kindness to others, especially as our brethren, as we're commanded in Christ. Colossians 3, verse 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness. Put on kindness. 2 Peter 1, verses 5 to 8. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness. Now notice there's kind of a building to the higher things, the base of the higher things. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity which is the greatest thing, 1 Corinthians 13. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Knowledge won't puff up when love abides, when among other things, kindness is flowing in you. I want to say to the officers of the church, thinking first of the minister, but all officers, may 2 Corinthians 6, verses 4 to 6, be said of us, be said of us by our members. But in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God, in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned. And let leaders, especially of the church, heed Second Chronicles 10, verses 6 to 7. And King Rehoboam took counsel with the old men that had stood before Solomon his father while he yet lived, saying, What counsel give ye me to return answer to these people? And they spake unto him, saying, If thou be kind to this people and please them, and speak good words to them, they will be thy servants forever. Something our politicians, past, present, and future, should keep in mind. Speak kindly to and about the people you are supposed to be serving. And then watch them respond in kind. It's interesting, of all the advice they give, be kind as the new king. Sadly, he didn't take heed, and the people didn't take kindly to him. What kind of leaders should we be as Christians? What kind of people should we be as Christians? What kind? Kind. 
Proverbs 19, verse 22. This would be a, a scripture to highlight. Proverbs 19, verse 22. The desire of a man, or that is, what is desired in a man? The desire of a man is his kindness. Not how much he knows. Not what he can do. But what is desired in in a man is his character highlighted here of kindness. So, beloved, let us commence to be people of kindness. Remember, Jesus says, whatever kind things you do to the least of the brethren, you do it to him. Even offering a cup of cold water or anointing him for his burial or following his example to wash others' feet or feeding the hungry and healing the wounded out of compassion and serving the sick. And like Jesus, even to go out of your way to provide for your own parents while you are suffering, and in his case, suffering upon the cross. Some closing quotes on kindness. Uh, This is from the the longer e-devotion I sent to you Friday night. You can see it on our pastor's post on our website now. I highlight a, not all of them, it's hard not to quote all of them, but I highlight a a few of them I hope to to screw this point into our skull, (laughs) really rather into our heart. Life is made up not of great sacrifices or duties, but of little things in which smiles and kindnesses and small obligations given habitually are what win and preserve the heart and secure comfort. Sir H. Davy. I expect to pass through life but once. If, therefore, there be any kindness I can show, or any good thing I can do to any fellow being, let me do it now and not defer or neglect it, as I shall not pass this way again. Pen. The best portion of a good man's life is his little Nameless, unremembered acts of kindness and love. Wordsworth. And I think you know from your own experience, you can be guaranteed that's how people remember you most. If they remember you and remember you most warmly, whatever you did, said, or how you looked in an act of kindness, that's what penetrates most deeply. That's what lasts. To, cult, excuse me, to cultivate kindness is a valuable part of the business of life. Johnson. I think that's kind of what we heard in the commencement speeches. But I've never heard anyone say that before. The happiness of life may be greatly increased by small courtesies in which there is no parade whose voice is too still to tease, and which manifest themselves by tender and affectionate looks and little kind acts of attention. Stern. The last quote was by Johnson. I don't recall if I uh, referenced him. A word of kindness is seldom spoken in vain, while witty sayings are as easily lost as the pearls of slipping from a broken string. G.D. Prentice. Now that's, I would relate that to sarcasm again. All these witty things, all these amazing things we can say that try to impress people about ourselves, it's like a bunch of pearls that just slide right off the string. But little words of kindness. They are the things that last. Since trifles make the sum of human things, 
and half of our misery from our foible springs. Since life's best joys consist in peace and ease, and few can save or serve, but all may please, let the ungentle spirit learn from thence a small unkindness is a great offense. H. More. It's the other side of it. A small kindness is an amazing blessing. A small unkindness is a great offense. Oh, I didn't mean it. I was just joking around. It's not what Paul says to be doing. No corrupt communication out of our mouth. Instead, speak kindly. Be kind. Discipline ourselves to go out of our way to say things that bless and are kind. Don't make us question ourselves, but feel strengthened within ourselves. And we all got to keep working at it. And when we think, oh, it's just a little thing, I said, no, it's always a great offense. If you're like me, you're feeling convicted. Let's keep working on it. Paul commands these things that we get better at it. Put off the old more, put on the new. Two more quotes. Thank you for your kindness and standing by. Make a rule and pray to God to help you to keep it. Never, if possible, to lie down at night without being able to say, I have made one human being at least a little wiser or a little happier or at least a little better. This day, Charles Kingsley. He doesn't mention kindness in the quote, but it's in the string of quotes on kindness, and that's the idea. May I not go to bed without having been kind to at least one person so that something blessed them and made their life better? You know, we often hear, I, I like how a lot of people say this, never leave a place worse than when you were there. When you leave, you should always have left the place better than it was before you were there. Well, beloved, I think the way we need to apply that the most is where we were in all of our interactions with people throughout the day. Did I leave that person and that person and that person better by how I spoke and how I worked with and how I touched and how I treated and provided for them than they were before they met me or knew me or interacted with me? Did I bless them with acts of kindness to improve them? Lastly, I don't know how to say the, the person's name. Vauvin argues. Forgive me, I'm sure I mutilated it. He says this, or she. We cannot be just unless we are kind-hearted. You can't even do the right things if there's not kindness in your heart. 1 Corinthians 13, without love, it's just clanging symbols. Serve the poor. Feed the poor, he says. You do without love and kindness, it's nothing. It needs to reflect God's kindness, having a heart after God, being kind-hearted. Beloved, be good Samaritans. Jesus says that as Christians reciprocating his kindness to you, you are to be kind. And that is the message for you this morning. I would like to read for you our verse with the few verses that uh, precede it to really drive it home. Verse 29 of chapter 4 of Ephesians. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath, and anger, and clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. And again, we highlight the first part of the verse. Be ye kind one to another. Or more briefly, because it should extend from how you work with one another to your neighbor and all of the world, reflecting God's kindness to you in the church. 
Simply these two words. Again, the message for you this morning. Be kind. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we pray that you would make us more and more the kind of people who are kind and reflect your kindness. And as we know, it starts in the heart and the disposition, but as often most seen, it seems at least from this context in how we speak with words or non-verbally, cause us to be more kind. Make us the kind of people that are kind. And thank you for your kindness to us that has led to our repentance and draws us near to you. Bless us to be kind to draw others to you, O Lord, to be saved. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your kindness to know our name and write it in your book of life and to lead us as your sheep along the way and to get us and bring us back when we stray. How kind you are to us. Let us be kind to one another from the kindness and forgiveness of God in Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name and all your people said, Amen.